before I even get into my message, I remember a pastor, I was at a Praise Chapel church in Downey, early, late, late 2000s. And the pastor would invite everybody to come up to the altar, you know, at the end of the message. And people would come up. And I remember he said something one day. He said, every one of us should be at that altar, including me. And I was, and it changed my heart of worship. I was like, doesn't matter what you do around here or how long you've been doing it or how much you know or how much you think you're doing things the right way. It doesn't change that when that altar opens up, that we don't want to come up here and just get on our knees and cry. And I watched people come up to the altar today, and it shook me. And I was really glad to see that. Because when we're most vulnerable, God shows up. You know? Remember, the Israelites are standing at the edge of the Red Sea, and they're like, we're doomed. We're going to die. You brought us out here, Moses. There's no, we're... We're at our most vulnerable, and that's when God showed up and opened the Red Sea. At your most vulnerable. When you've gone past the point of, I can't, I, it, faith is out the window. We're doomed, right? And so I, I, I just, be vulnerable with God is all I want to say. I love this. Thank you, Mike. We've got like hundreds and hundreds of these. So there's a small stack there. Like Mike said, please take as many as you want. I just don't want to put 500 out there and have 500 go out with somebody who's not going to hand them out. So we'll continue to replenish them. If somebody wants 50, come and see us after church. We'll send you home with 100. Um, anyways, uh, God is really good. God is so good. This morning, uh, I, I'm in a new routine. I switched companies this week, and I do the exact same job I already do with the same exact customers. I just serve a new master. And um, so I'm getting to, you know, I, I do what I do. I do my industry. I've been doing it a long time. So the only thing I have to do differently now is I have to learn the way this company does everything, you know, how the procedures work. Who do I email for this? I'm a steamroller, you know. One of my conversations during my interview with the COO of the company was I'm not a team player. I'm not. Weakness, not a team player. That's why I like golf and powerlifting. I have nobody to depend on. I don't like because I'm a steamroller. I like to make things happen and get it done, and I just feel that sometimes people can't do that for me. But when we're on Team God, you're, we're part of the team, right? So um, I was thinking about that. So anyways, so I've changed my schedule, what time I wake up, and I just told myself I'm going to get up seven days a week at the same time. It makes it a lot easier than where you have those Saturdays and Sundays and you sleep differently and it just jacks your Monday. I, I don't like that. So, um, so I've been getting up same time every day. So I got up this morning earlier than I normally have because I'm on my new schedule and I had time with God. And I was able to go into my office and I already wrote next week's sermon. And I'm pumped about next week. Don't miss next week. It's already outlined. I just got to go home and put it into Pro Presenter and I got a bunch of little editing to do, and then you know I guess I'll put my final twist on it at the end. But it's ready. Next week's ready. Like, God gave me that time. And with my new schedule, I'm not going to be able to necessarily work out of my office so much on Mondays as I had been. So I'm like, okay, so I don't know how much Mondays I can do. And normally I do my things on Mondays, and I'm like, I'm just going to do it now while I have time. And I'm not focused on 80 other things. I feel that like God etched that time out for me, and I realized it this morning. So uh, I was able to get that done, so I was really excited. 
Uh, Jacob and Esau, man, did anybody get really? Did anybody really get something from last week's message? You know, I know that my big question was, you know, uh, have you ever seen how God can take a wrong and make it right? You know, uh, and this week we're going to continue the story, so I wrote myself a bunch of notes here. I, mostly everything you're going to hear up here is a reflection of how I think, how I process, you know. I've heard a pastor say once, if you really want to get to know me, just really listen to what I'm sharing on Sundays because I'm sharing with you what God has revealed to me through my own life and my own experiences, my own personal convictions, you know. Do you strive to live upright? Yeah, all right. Do you strive to make decisions of integrity? Do you strive to always do what is right? Dudley, do right. Do you strive to be kind? Do you strive to be better than yesterday? In what ways? Do you pride yourself in living an upstanding life? Anybody lived a not upstanding life? Everybody, Everybody hands up now. Do you know, do you know? Do you pride yourself today in living an upstanding life? Yeah. What happens when you fall short of that very large list of character qualities that I just mentioned? What happens to us right here and right here when we do when we fall short of that? If you believe in God, I bet these are the things you think. Regardless of your salvation, regardless of everything you hear me say up here, regardless of everything you've ever heard every preacher say, the one that brought you to the Lord, that moment you gave your life away, that minute you were told your sins were forgiven, there was nothing you could do now, today, or forevermore that was going to separate you from the love and relationship with God. But when you fall short of those character qualities, you feel like God's going to punish you in some way. When God's going to get me for this one, I blew it. I really blew it. He's going to smite me, almighty smiter. How about this one? How about you may not feel that God's going to punish you, but I bet that you think this one. Maybe he's going to remove my blessings and provision this time. Maybe this is the time he's going to strip me of my, of my self-made crown. Right? Well, I'm here to tell you that these are normal feelings. You're not the only one that has them if you do. We all do. I have them. We all do. Are we perfect? No. We're far from it. We all, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm going to remember this verse, Romans 11:32. For God has turned all men over to disobedience so that he could show mercy on them all. Not taken out of context, but it's an interesting thought, right? Paul wrote that. So let's backtrack into last week. We're talking about Jacob and Esau and some really crazy things happened last week. A lot of wrong. A lot of deceit. Lies. Lack of integrity. Remember that I told you this was the story? I'm going to kind of go through some of your notes that you wrote last week. Remember I told you this was the story of a fragmenting of a family over what? Spiritual matters. And all participants were at fault. 
Isaac was attempting to still pass the blessing to Esau, even though he knew there was an oracle that said it was going to go to Jacob. But he didn't care. He was going to bless his preferred son, the firstborn. Esau broke his oath of selling his birthright. Do you remember that? Okay, well, in this story, we're going to read something that you're going to hear a statement that Esau is going to make. But let me just clarify what this says here. The birthright, Bekorah in that language, has to do with both position and inheritance. By birthright, the firstborn son inherited the leadership of the family and the judicial authority of his father. Deuteronomy 21.17 will later state that he, that son is also entitled to a double portion of the parental inheritance. So by nature, when Esau sold his birthright, he sold all of it. Not half of it or partial, but that's where he's going to feel today. So Rebekah and Jacob, with a just cause, I told you, he deceived Isaac, right? We talked about this, separate, this caused separation and hate in the family. Esau wanted his brother dead. Isaac probably wasn't too pleased. He'd been deceived. Rebekah was caught up between two children, and both children were favored by the other parent. There's a lot of animosity and a lot of not good feelings going on right now in this family, especially after that day. What did I tell you would happen from this? Rebecca would never see Jacob again. Her son that she most loved, she would never see again when he left. Remember I told you, Jacob alone did not destroy the family through his deception. Parental preference destroyed the family. It starts with you, parents. I got young parents over there. I'm like, eyes right on them. It starts with us. It starts with the parents. Children are innocent, man. Isaac's love for the world led to his own deception. You remember I told you that. He loved wild game and tasty food. He was governed by his heart. He intended to bless Esau regardless of God's plans. He had his own plan. And he was chosen, just like Abraham. He was the chosen one. You were the chosen one, man. Okay? <clears throat> Jacob, remember we talked about Jacob successfully deceiving his dad. He lied about his identity. He lied about God. Remember I told you we, we use that? He lied about God, giving him success in his hunt. And three times Isaac voiced his suspicions but was still blinded because of his natural senses. Jacob received the ultimate blessings. These are what would come to him by getting the inheritance and the birthright. He, received, he would receive prosperity and crops. He would receive domination over other nations. He would... He would be, uh, be cursing on those who cursed him and blessing on those who blessed him. You remember Isaac said those things to him. Now moving forward. These things did not happen right away. He had to leave the blessing. He was given the blessing, and then he had to leave. And he had to go work under the hard hand of his uncle Laban, who would do him extremely dirty. We're going to read about it. We're going to spend a while in Jacob. It's like eight chapters of Jacob. Um, so again, I'd ask, do you ever notice that God is the only one who can take a wrong and make it right? In all this, good or bad, right or wrong, integrity or dishonesty, there was a plan in motion here by God that no one could truly understand at the moment. We understand it because we have the word and we know the direction of Jacob's life. But when this is happening, you would ask yourself, why did God let that happen? I have people ask me that all the time. 
if you believe in God, why do you think God lets the world be the way it is? I say, well, maybe there's people that God wants to love just like he wants to love you, and they haven't even been born yet, so we got to go through some more mess before those people have an opportunity to meet him so he can have a relationship with them too. It may be 50 years from now. It's one of those tough answers. I have tough answers. Come have an apologetic conversation with me. I'm, I'm okay at it. Give me 20 more years up here, a little more gray, then you'll be like, Pastor Chris, he'll he take care of that. He'll answer that for you. There's, I don't have an answer to everything. None of us do. None, none of us have an answer to everything. But I've been doing this God thing a really long time, and God's been preparing me for this for a really long time. Today I see that. I saw it while it was happening, but it didn't make perfect sense. It does now. This story should be a great reminder that understanding God's will and God's plan for one's life can be confusing, scary, seem wrong or misunderstood, seem unfair. It was unfair for Esau, right? It looked that way. How about it would seem unjust? What Jacob did was not right. It was deceptive. And he will pay for it under the hand of Laban for 14 years when he's deceived. They call that karma. We're not big on karma around here. (laughs) But there's a clear-cut picture of it right here. There's a clear-cut picture of Jacob's deception will lead to his own deception later. Uh, So it's here, guys. It's, It's in the Bible. How many of us in this room have had moments where you looked up and you asked, God, why did that happen like that? Was this you or is this the enemy? Because of that scary uncertainty, it seems wrong, it seems unjust. Something about this doesn't seem right. Is this you or is this the enemy against me? Spiritual discernment is a tough thing. I'm not sure if this is your will, God. How many times have you said that? I'm confused, God. I still say that stuff till everything works out. Then I'm like, ah, got it. Boy, that's the 80th time you've done that to me. I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. I would say at least 80 times God showed up, done some weird changes in my life, and then it makes sense after, and then I'm like, you got me again. <laughs> you got me. It's the truth. Those of us who have been walking with God for a long time, you know what I'm talking about because those things don't only happen for me. Okay? I would imagine there's many thoughts for all parties on this day in that story. All those thoughts, all these things I'm talking about, they're all questioning this. When the blessing went to the younger son and not to the rightful heir, something's wrong here. So let's finish the story up and spend some time in God's word. And I'll share some good notes with you today. Genesis 27, we're finishing up the second half of that chapter, verses 30 through 46. Now, it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. 
Remember I told you guys last week, we're going to see what happens because now Esau is going to come home. So here he comes, doo-doo-doo, he's got the wild game. You know, he's got it slung on his shoulders. He's carrying it in like Milo with the bull, right? He's happy. He's excited. I'm the chosen one. I'm here for my blessing. Old man's going to die. Finally, I'm going to be number one. Yeah? Yeah. Right? He also had made savory food and brought it into his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. Give me what I got coming, Dad. Give me what I got coming. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I'm your, your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. I like that. Trembled exceedingly. You take that word and you tell yourself what trembled exceedingly means to you and know that's what Isaac did in this moment. And said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And said to his father, bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. The one he sold, right? He took away my birthright, which included all this. And now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Bet he wanted it all, though. If Jacob was going to come for a second blessing, he'd be like, dude, I got it all. But, But now that it's him in that shoes, he's like, but don't you have one for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. When you're ready to let it go, you will have peace. Anybody have resentments that you hold on to your whole life? I look at all resentments and generally they're my fault. I look at a resentment, you break it down, I'm the one to blame. I resent you because of this. And then when I really do the math on the whole situation, I realize I'm the cause of Something that created me to be mad at you about what I want to be mad at you about. It's crazy. Take a look at your resentments. You'll find find you at the root of them too. So, uh, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. It's kind of harsh words, yeah? I'm going to kill him. I'm not going to beat him up. I'm not going to knock his teeth out. 
I'm not going to choke him out. I'm not going to burn his house down. I'm going to kill him. You think that escalated quickly? And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Found comfort in that. Think he was the wrong guy for the blessing anyways? Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran. And stay with him a few days, just a few days, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. <laughs> Highly unlikely. Then I will see, everybody hold grudges here? <whistles> Bet you we could find some grudges in everybody's purse. Some way, shape, or form, we, we're upset with somebody about something. Oh, let's see. Till your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what he, you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. What, why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, her husband, I am weary of my life. Here goes the next deceptive move. I'm scared of my life. Because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these, who are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Super excited about next week, where we go with this. Because next week, we're gonna, I got, I, it's all lined out. I already looked at it. Good stuff. The notes are made. So what happened here? Esau came home, and his brother jacked him. Remember all our notes last week, the spiritual matters that fragmented the family. Parental preference. So what happened here? We're going to look at it again. First thing that happened, Isaac had been overruled by God. You ever try to make a decision that you know is outside of the scope of things that God's kind of put in your direction? Like, you know there's a lot of things you don't know, but I'm talking about the stuff that you look at what God's doing in your life, and you know what God's will is in that area of your life, and you try to force it to something else. Anybody do that? Am I the only one? There we go. We get them hands up. on Two hands over here. What happened when Isaac had been overruled by God? Esau pleaded desperately for a blessing. He became desperate. Bless me, oh my father. Don't you have one more blessing? He didn't care if there was going to be a blessing for Jacob. But now it matters. Selfish much? What else happened? Emotions ran high for both men. Isaac trembled exceedingly. Esau became exceedingly bitter and angry. Emotions were high here. This damages families. Esau was bitter and angry. There we go. Esau would receive the blessing of a profane person. The blessing I have for you is not a good one. Esau would receive the blessing of a profane person. You shall get the fatness of the earth. 
you will live by the sword, and you will live and serve your brother under his yoke. What else happened in that story? Isaac was denied tampering with God's plan. It's a part of being overruled. It was denied, full on. God's plan was that Jacob would be the blessed son. And Isaac wanted to do it differently. And that play was blocked. Got a guy, 6'10", right off the line, jumped up, stopped the kick. What happened to Esau? Esau's descendants would live in an unfertile land. Jacob was going to have the blessings, prosperity and crops, rule over nations and all that. And Esau would go live in an unfertile land and live by his sword. Let's look at some other things I found in this story. Rebecca and, Jake, Re- Rebecca and Jacob won, yet gained nothing that would have not been given anyways. It was God's plan. It was God's plan to bless Jacob. Jacob was going to receive that inheritance. But through all their, they they did it the wrong way. That's what I'm trying to get at in this story. They went about it the wrong way. And like I told you, this fragmented the family. Parental preference. A, they lost much, including the relationship between themselves. Their decision to take things into their own hands and not trust God, they lost much. Their activities only succeeded in doing what God had promised anyway. That's my point. Their activities only succeeded in doing what God had promised anyway. When God makes a promise, you can't undo it. You can't change it. You can't fix it. You can't stop it. You can't change it. You can't alter it. You can't interrupt it. God already had a plan. We talked about this last week. Point three, this story is the symbol of parental favoritism. Where are my parents at? Where's your favorites at? Gotcha. Gotcha. I gotcha. I'm looking around for some sibling rivalries. This story accounts for what? Spiritual insensitivity. Spiritual insensitivity. The natural senses played a conspicuous part. Remember that? The food, the voice, the hair, the smell. Those were the things that that Isaac relied on to give that blessing. Spiritual insensitivity. If he had been in God's will and connected with God... And knowing that he was fulfilling God's purpose and plan, which was to bless Jacob, and probably hadn't been in conflict with his wife about this, he's getting ready to die. You ever read between the lines? 
Everybody in the room is old enough to know what read between the lines means, right? You ever read between the lines? Isaac is getting ready to die. Jacob and Esau are grown, grown, grown adults. You think that Rebecca and Isaac aren't hanging out at nighttime in their tent area talking about who's supposed to get this blessing? Read between the lines. Parental favoritism and spiritual insensitivity. I don't care what you were told. Esau is our firstborn son, and I love him. Think that conversation came out once or twice? Reliance on one's senses for spiritual discernment not only proves fallible, but often fouls up life. Yeah? Reliance on one's senses for spiritual discernment, I should say natural senses, for spiritual discernment not only proves fallible, but often fouls up life. Jacob and his mother will never see each other again. Jacob will go to his uncle's house and he'll work hard for seven years for the wife he wants and he'll be deceived. And then he'll have to put in another seven years for the wife he wants and then he'll be told he can't leave. God will take you wrong and make it right. It doesn't say it wasn't going to be hard in between. And Jacob was chosen by God. Who are you? Chosen, yes. Jacob's in the Bible that we read today. And God put Jacob through some tough stuff. Who am I, God? Who am I? Most importantly, as I mentioned with last week's, do you ever notice that God can take a wrong and make a right? This story is still about deception. Jacob's only hesitancy was not about what was right or wrong. It was his fear that he would be cursed instead of blessed. That's what he told his mom. What if my dad finds out and realizes I could be cursed? He didn't care about whether it was right or wrong. He cared about the punishment and the, and, and, and the consequence of it. That was it. But he didn't care about the fact that it was wrong. Like, that's not right. We can't do that. We can't do it because it's not right. That's not what he said. Now, that's not what he said. What he said was, I'm afraid I might be cursed and not blessed. That's what he said. Or we could say at the least he realized his actions would place God's promises in jeopardy. Jacob would later learn, we're going to read all through Jacob for a while. Jacob would later learn that blessings are given by God, not gained by deceit. He went through some tough stuff to get to the blessing, you guys. Number four, the flight of Jacob. Gosh, I can't wait for next week. I'm excited. I'm excited because I, I got it already down. I'm already looking at it. I'm already read it. I'm like, ooh, I like these, these notes, and I'm excited. I'm excited. I was so excited. I was like, I wish I could talk about next week, but I got to do this week to get to next week. The flight of Jacob, guys. 
Bullet point A, this begins our transitions to the stories of Laban. Laban, 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 I don't, you know, I don't speak Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, or any of that. Um, but we know that this is going to be a tough time for Jacob. This is going to be a little rough spot. The flight of Jacob, B, his deception would lead to his need to flee. And he doesn't get to take the blessing with him. What would happen? He would go to the land of his descendants to find a wife, unlike Isaac. What do you mean, unlike Isaac? Abraham sent the servant to go to the home country to bring a wife back for Isaac. Because, remember, Abraham did not want him to go up there because there was probably idol worship. There was something conflicting, remember in the story, with sending Isaac. So he's like, Isaac, my son, ain't going up there. I don't like the word ain't. Isaac, my son, is not going up there. You're going to go up there, his most trusted servant. You're going to go. And you're going to bring back, you're going to find a woman of upstanding life, the right person, and bring her back. And that was Rebecca. So what's going to happen? His journey was necessitated by what? What happened here? His journey was necessitated by imminent danger. I can't wait till dad dies and I'm going to kill him. Remember that? That was what Esau, that was what was going on in Esau's mind. All right. All right. All right. I, I see. When he's dead, you're dead. His journey was necessitated by imminent danger. So his journey looked different than Isaac. Isaac wasn't in any danger. There was probably some animosity between Ishmael and Isaac. Remember, Ishmael got sent away. Different than this story. God would deal with Jacob's deceit under the hand of Laban. You mean he's going to get punished? Indeed, he did. Indeed, he would go through some pain and suffering, a little slap on the butt. Don't think God don't got two by four to take your knees out when you're doing the wrong thing. Anybody see the movie Misery? <laughs> Skip said, ow. Let me just tell you this. When God wants to get your attention, he will, so don't make him. If God has a plan for you, and you're trying to run away, Jonah, God's going to make the plan come through no matter what. Okay? So don't make him get his attention through, don't make him get your attention through pain and suffering. Keep the deceit to a minimal of none. This journey would later parallel his own family's journey into Egypt. What was the imminent danger? Why did they go to Egypt? Oh, they were starving. And they had no choice but to flee the promised land, just as Abraham did. And there was famine in the land. 
and they had to leave. And I cannot wait to get to that part. Guys, I cannot wait. We're going there. Six months, maybe, but we're going to get there. <laughs> Bullet point G, Rebecca, would ur- Rebecca urged Isaac to have Jacob find a wife from her own family, thus creating Isaac's blessing to send him away. Now that, I, now that this deception had taken place, remember she said, I'm scared of my life because of the sons of Heth. I don't, I don't want Jacob to do the same thing that Esau did. We need to send him to our, my father's place so that he can find a wife. And Isaac blessed that, and Isaac's going to send him on his way in this next chapter. But Rebecca urged Isaac to have Jacob find a wife from her own family, thus creating Isaac's blessing to send him away. That's what saved him from getting killed. God can take a wrong and make a right. God can create a situation. Jacob and Esau, man, these guys. I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to see. I'm really excited to see what happens next week. I, I, I'm telling you guys, I got excited today. When I got these notes ready, I was reading them, and I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. I like good stuff. I got good stuff, meat and potato stuff next week. Permanent, biblical meat and potato stuff. So I'm pretty excited. Um, well, that closes today. I have a big uh, grand finale finish. I think you've been convicted enough. You all got to go home and rethink your life. So uh, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this place of worship, Lord. We worship you through sound. We worship you through singing. We worship you through praise. We worship you through reading your word. We worship you through fellowship and community. I thank you, Lord, for our church. I thank you for this church family, Lord. I am so excited, God, for what you're doing around here. I, you, you know how I feel, Lord. Lord, I just thank you. I lift up this people to you, Lord. I want you to bring them all back next week. Super excited, super pumped, ready to receive what you have for them, Lord. I see you working, Lord, in the hearts of these people. I see you adding to our numbers monthly. I'm going to use the word monthly, Lord. I see you adding to our numbers monthly. Let us continue to sit here, Lord, and teach your word, your truths. Let you be our focus, Lord. I thank you in advance, Lord. Let us reach out. Let us bring people in. We don't want to steal anybody from another fellowship. Let us bring in people who don't know you. Let us invite people who are looking to know you. Sometimes, Lord... We know all they need is an invite. They've been waiting to come for years, but they don't want to show up somewhere they don't know nobody. Lord, give us that power, that strength, that ability, that drive, that wisdom, that discernment. Let us invite, Lord. Give us the strength and the courage to invite, Lord. I thank you in advance for what you continue to do in these people's lives and in my own. I thank you, thank you, thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And we all say? Amen. Amen, Lord. Thank you.